And you're in for a great treat today because Dr. Ray is going to be sharing the word of the Lord this morning. So let's do this. Let's get on our feet and give Dr. Ray a great Alabama welcome this morning. Come on. So Dr. Ray Self is the president and the founder of ICM International College of Ministries, which we have a campus here at Liberty Church. Uh, he is a dear friend and a mighty man of God with a heart for the kingdom of God. And uh, you're going to be in for a special treat today. I'm going to get ready to turn it over to him. We've got some awesome stuff we're going to be doing this morning. We're going to be recognizing a graduate from ICM here from our Liberty Church campus. So Dr. Ray, we love you. God bless you. And thank you so much. All right, thank you for having me. Thank you, Pastor Keith and Pastor Kelly and uh, Brother Curtis and Dr. Forrest and everybody and Jim. Just anyway, it's, I love coming up here. I love Alabama. I love not not the school, but I love <laughs> the state of Alabama. I'm an Ole Miss guy. My money, my daughter went to Ole Miss. Still paying Ole Miss. Amen. Hotty toddy. I have no choice. But anyway, amen. So uh, it's good. I like. I mean, I like Alabama. You know. I think I've been, really, it's, it's a good team. You know, best team money can buy. It's good. It's good. 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 Amen. Amen. They buy some good players. They're good. They're good. Anyway, it's good. You know, I like the coach, Nick Satan. He's a good, good coach, yeah. Amen. Did I say Satan? I mean, saving, 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 saving. Saving. Sorry about that. Anyway, I'll be good. I'll be good. Yeah, I, I didn't know if this was Auburn country or Bama country. You kind of have to be careful, you know, where you're at. Now, this is definitely... This is Bama country, amen. It is, it is. This is kind of sad, folks. This is a confession. For me not to be an Alabama fan is pretty bad. My my father actually played for Alabama. <laughs> Ooh. And a long, long time ago, and then he transferred to uh, Alabama, the university. There's a college in Memphis called Southwestern back, then, back in the 30s, a long time ago. And they hired one of the Alabama assistant coaches to be their head coach. And he brought my daddy to Memphis with him. And he told my father, he said, now you can play for Alabama and be a, a little fish in a big pond. Or you can come to Memphis and you can be a big fish in a little pond. My dad said, I want to be a big fish in a little pond. So he goes to Memphis, thank you, Jesus. That's kind of I'm here. That's kind of I was born because that's where he met my mama. So I'm kind of grateful for Alabama in a way. I mean. So right now, uh, we've got a special presentation. We have uh, Dr. Forrest and Lisa Van Sant, our, our directors of International College of Ministry. If you're not familiar with that, y'all come on up, come on up. And um, we're going to honor a graduate. And if you're not familiar with the school, it's called icmcollege.org is the website, International College of Ministry. You can do it online on your own schedule. You can also take some classes here. Uh, it's accredited. It's affordable. There's no excuse if you want to get equipped for a call of God on your life. You want to finish your BA or finish your uh, master's or your doctorate. We can do that for you. Uh, we have a matter of fact, one of our doctoral graduates, Dr. Janie Miner, sitting about six rows back there. Amen. I'm so glad you're here. All the way she she drove all the way from Albertville. It's a long way. I tell you, but they made it. Amen. So we're glad we're glad and your family. It's all here. So if we could call up, is it Nathaniel or is it David? David Nathaniel Lowry. Amen. Come on up. Come on up. All dressed up, looking good. <laughs> looking good. Looking good. Come over here. Come over here. 
also do want to recognize my, my beautiful wife, Christy's on the board of International College of Ministry. She's our photographer for right now, or I see other pictures out there. <laughs> Amen. So what we want to do, and again, thanks again to Dr. Forrest, and thank you, Dr. Lisa. It wouldn't happen without Pastor Keith. So thank you. Thank you very much. And David's an excellent student, quite a writer. As a matter of fact, he always went above and beyond whatever you'd ask him to do. Uh, a great theologian, so I'm very honored to do this. And so this says right here that the faculty, by the authority vested in them, by the corporate board, confer upon David Nathaniel Lowry the degree of Bachelor of Theology. Amen? Amen? And we receive your degree. Amen? Amen? Okay. They want to be still. My wife says I wiggle too much for the pictures. <laughs> so what I want to do now is confer the degree. This is called the conferring of the degree. I want to put your hands on them here. Amen. And so, Lord, by the authority vested in me by the Florida Department of Education, by the authority as president of the International College of Ministry, amen, and by the authority of the name above all names, Jesus Christ, we hereby confer this degree upon you with all the honor, privileges due upon you. Receive your degree and be confirmed. In Jesus' name, amen. And Father, we just decree amen, amen, and we decree blessings over you, favor over you. And Lord, I thank you, Father, for this new season in, in Nate's life, that he'll be used mightily to build your kingdom, Father, that your grace and your anointing and your power is upon him. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. You know, you come to Alabama, everybody's kind of related. That's kind of scary. But we did, did figure out that actually I think I'm, we related, uh, Lisa and I related. I think our grandmothers were related, maybe, maybe sisters. Yeah. So uh, interesting. My family's uh, originally actually from Anniston, Alabama. So uh, I do have, do have roots here. Amen. But still, old Miss, you know I'm saying? Hotty toddy. Can we do that just one time? No. There we go. All right. Thank you. Thank you. All right. All right. All right. So, Father, I thank you for your word, which cannot return void. We just give you praise and honor in Jesus' name. So this is about uh, a message called when God wants your attention. When God wants your attention. Let me tell you something. When God wants your attention, he will go to extremes to get it. And throughout your life, God is always trying to, to get your attention. So I'm going to start off, I want to tell you about Moses, but this story is all about you. This, this, this message is about you. This is going to be personal. This is personal. This is personal to me, and I want to make it personal to you. So Moses was born into slavery. You know his story. He was born into slavery in Egypt, okay? And uh, most, of the, most of his parents were Levites, okay? But at the time of Moses' birth, he was born into slavery, the Israelites you know, they'd come, to, they'd come to Egypt years ago under, was it under uh, Jacob, I believe, because of the famine in Israel. But they began to multiply and, and increase, and they were prospering a lot. Even the slaves, they were prospering. So Pharaoh was concerned that the Israelites were going to overpower the Egyptians. Very concerned about that. So he made a decree that all male infants would be drowned in the Nile River. 
You know, it's, it's interesting. I was talking to the second service, the first service, that this, to me, this Pharaoh spirit wanting to kill infants, to me, is, is a similar spirit, demonic spirit, that, that, that controls, tried to control abortion in our country and kill all those infants in our country. But Pharaoh, uh, a symbol of Satan, decided to kill all the male children. That way, the Israelites would not be a threat to him anymore. So you know the story. So Moses' mom builds a basket for him. Moses was a basket case. That's what they, they tell me. It was, just, it, was, it was bad, you know, in the river. That's one of the oldest Christian jokes on the planet, you know. I think, I think, I think, I think Moses' mom made that joke up. I'm not sure. But anyway, put him, on the, put him on the river. You know the story? He floats down the river, amen, and then all of a sudden Pharaoh's daughter uh, finds him and just falls in love with him. And then she hears about a, a nurse who could probably, you know, the daughter, she's the daughter of the king. She needs a nurse, all right, somebody to help raise her baby. She needs a nanny. So she hires Moses' mom to be the nanny, and God's good. So Moses' mom got to raise him in the court of Pharaoh, in the royalty court. So Moses was raised as royalty. Interesting. So he grew up in the Egyptian court, but when he was older, he began to realize that the Egyptians were mistreating his people. He began to realize who he was. Sometimes, you know, it takes us a while to figure out who we actually are. So he began to realize that he was a Hebrew and the Israelites were being treated badly by the Egyptians. So one day he sees this Egyptian beating one of the Israelites. Moses got upset, took the guy and killed him. And then he hid the body to cover his crime. Then Moses freaked out and decided he needed to get out of Egypt. He needed to get out of Egypt, and so he ran to a, a town, to a country called Midian, which is on the east side uh, of, the, of the Red Sea. And then he met his wife, Zipporah. He had some children, and he became a sheep farmer. Started raising sheep. And, uh, you know, actually doing pretty good. It seemed like everything's okay. He's, he's doing okay, and uh, he's welcome there. He's got kids. He's got a beautiful wife. Everything's doing good. But Moses was nowhere close to where he needed to be. And so God decided to get his attention. Let me tell you something. When you're nowhere close to where you need to be, God will go to extremes to get your attention. So we go to Exodus chapter 3, verse 1. Now Moses was pastoring the flock of Jethro, his father-in-law. He's doing a good job. Not the job he was called to do, but he was doing good. The priest of Midian, and he led the flock to the west side of the wilderness and came to Horeb, the mountain of God. Verse 2, Exodus 3. The angel of the Lord appeared to him in a blazing fire from the midst of the bush. And he looked, and behold, the bush was burning with fire, yet the bush was not consumed. That's amazing. The bush is on fire, but it's not, it's not burning up. How could that possibly be? So Moses said to himself, I must turn aside and see this marvelous sight. Why this bush is not burned up? And this is the scripture that just jumps off the page at me. In my notes, I made it about this big. Because this, this scripture really... It, it, to me, it's just a key. It's a key. It's a key in our life. When the Lord saw, I say, I say, when the Lord saw, when the Lord saw that Moses had turned aside to look, God called him. You see, when the Lord saw that he finally got Moses' attention, the Lord called him. You see, Moses was not where he was supposed to be. He was not doing his purpose. He was not fulfilling his call. He was not in his promised land. He was nowhere close to where he needed to be. God called him. God wanted to call him. See, God had to get his attention. God did something kind of strange. He put a bush on fire just to get his attention because Moses was never, not even close to his purpose, not even close to doing what he was created to do. Moses was in the wrong place doing the wrong thing, 
But when God saw that Moses had given him his attention, he called him. Called him to greatness. Has God got your attention? You know, I didn't talk about it, but I've got a book on the back table. We're actually almost sold out. Redeeming Your Past and Finding Your Promised Land. And this is kind of how God got my attention. Okay? Because I want to tell you something. We all have issues. Satan has been scheming against you your entire life to keep you from your promised land. Your promised land is that place you're created to be doing what you're created to do. It's the reason you were born. And there's been weapons formed against you to keep you out of that. And this book tells you how to find your purpose, how to overcome the weapons of the enemy, and get into your promised land. And it can't give some of my story in there. And so that's on the back table. It's, it's $10. I think there's a few left. And then I wrote a book called How to Hear the Voice of God and How to Respond to the Voice of God. How do you know when God's actually talking to you? There's still a few left. They're $10 or in my Alabama special, two for $25. Amen. <laughs> I've had a couple people take me up on it, and I'd say roll tide. <laughs> it's good. It's good to be in Alabama. You see things in Alabama you just don't ever see, see anywhere. Anywhere else in the world, you do. This church, I heard a church announcement in Liberty Church about five or six years ago. I've never heard in my life something I've never thought I would ever, ever, ever hear in a church. I heard in this church. And to this day, I still think about that and go, did I just hear that? And this is what I heard in the church. This has nothing to do with the sermon. This is actually bonus material. You know, it's like a deleted scene from a movie, and you get to watch the deleted scene. This is like a deleted scene from my sermon, okay? But now we'll talk about it. So one day, Pastor Keith, I'm up here, and Pastor Keith's making announcements. And he says, man, I just want you to know that next Sunday, next Sunday, we're going to have a turkey shoot right out back. We're going to have a turkey shoot right out back. And I said, oh, wow, that's pretty good. But he says, but men, don't bring your guns to church. The church will supply the guns. <laughs> and I said, only in Alabama. Only would you ever hear a church announcement, don't bring your guns. Church will supply the guns. <laughs> I like this church. <laughs> <laughs> you did make that announcement. And I'm just going, I did not hear that. <laughs> Arab Alabama. Amen. Okay. <laughs> I met Pastor Keith in Pittsburgh. You know, there's not too many people from Alabama in Pittsburgh. I'm walking down the hall of his church in Pittsburgh, and I see some tall guy standing in the corner with a big A on his head, and they're going, love you, sir. Love you, sir. I, that guy's not from Pittsburgh. That's how I met him. <laughs> they didn't, they, that church didn't have guns at that church either. It, it was, <laughs> uh, so anyway. <laughs> but the Lord saw, uh, back to the sermons, back to the sermon. That's a deleted scene, Okay. And so, you, you, you know, we don't extra that. Or you know how they do the movies now? At the end of the movie, they have an extra scene, you know, like you, you watch the credits, especially the Marvel movies, and they'll have an extra. That's kind of like an extra scene, okay? Didn't really have much to do with nothing. All right, so <laughs> Exodus 3, 4. When the Lord saw he had turned aside to look, God called him from the midst of the bush said, Moses, Moses. And Moses said, here I am. Here's the thing. Moses, think about Moses. Moses was called as a prince of Egypt. 
He was called into royalty. He was called to be a deliverer. He was called to, to be a mighty man of miracles. He was called to part the Red Sea with a staff. He was called to bring rock water from a rock. He was called is to, to write the Bible. He wrote the Moses was called to be the writer of Scripture, a deliverer, a healer. This was Moses. What's he doing? He's over in Midian, shepherding sheep with with where he's not supposed to be. And God said, I've got to get this. Somehow, I've got to get his attention. And so God sets a bush on fire, talks to him. And the cool thing is, it says, Moses responded. Moses responded. And when Moses responded, God called him. See, God does many things in your life to get your attention. God does all kinds of things in your life to get your attention. And he wants you to respond. He wants you to respond. And I was, I was talking in the early, the early service of how God got, got my attention. And uh, it, it was crazy. But, you know, I was a businessman before I went into I was a co corporate guy. And then I started going an entrepreneur on the one time, I think, six different businesses. And um, it was doing, doing pretty well. And, uh, you know, in, in a worldly view, you know, I had all my stuff. I had my stuff. You know, when you go into business, you get your stuff. I remember at that time I had my Cadillac. I had my boat. And um, I, I love boats. I had, I had a 35-foot boat at Pickwick Lake. Man, I was just good. You know, Pickwick's one of those other lakes on the Tennessee River, just up the ways a bit. And so doing pretty good. I'm driving down the road down to Highway 61 to Clarksdale, Mississippi, up in North Mississippi, and a voice, a voice spoke to me in my truck. I said, a voice. It was a loud voice. Ray, I've called you into the ministry. I heard it. I didn't want to be in ministry. I was a businessman. I wasn't thinking about ministry. I had no thought about ministry. And that voice was so loud, I ran off the road. I literally ran off the road. God wanted to get my attention. You see, God will do extreme things to get your attention. I was going the wrong place. I was going the wrong direction, doing the wrong thing. It was not the call of God on my life. And God wanted to get my attention. Well, I didn't actually, I didn't say this in the first service, but I didn't exactly obey God immediately. I did not exactly obey him immediately. And so I kept doing business. I kept doing business. You know, I heard the voice, but I, I didn't quite, I responded because it freaked me out, but I kept doing business. And then the Lord spoke to me again. Now, this was not an audible voice. This was a picture I got in my mind. And the Lord showed me a picture of a house of cards built on a foundation of sand. I saw a house of cards, you know, playing cards, like a whole bunch of playing cards stacked up you know, and it's like a house, and it was on sand. And I thought, that doesn't sound very stable. That doesn't sound like that. That will hold up very longer. And then I saw the cards all fall to the ground and crash and burn. And that's exactly what happened to me. You see, God had called me to the ministry, and I actually kept doing business. And finally, God took it all away. It, it, I lost it all. I lost everything. Multiple businesses, money, finances, home, you, you name it. It's a long story. It's, it's in the book. But I lost it all. God wanted my attention. And out of the dust and out of the rumble and out of the destruction in my life and out of everything that was so bad, I was deeply depressed. I was in a horrible funk. I, at one point, I was so depressed, I couldn't even get up out of a chair. And out of all of that... In the middle of all that, I meet a guy named John Boatwright. I'll never forget him. I go over to this friend of mine's house named John, and I walk into John's house, and he says, Hey, Ray, have you ever met the Holy Spirit? I said, What do you mean, meet the Holy Spirit? And you know what the baptism of the Holy Spirit is? I said, no, John, what do you mean baptism of the Holy Spirit? Let me show you the Bible, what the Bible says about being baptized with the Holy Spirit. 
He took me through it. He laid hands on me, and I've never turned back. Spirit of God came on me, and I have never turned back. Never. Amen. God wants to get your attention. So let's look at uh, what, about, uh, what about Peter? What about Peter? Now, Peter was a fisherman, right? So you know the story. We go to Luke real quick. Luke 5, verse 1. Now, it happened that while the crowd was pressing around him, that's Jesus, listening to the word of God. He was standing by the lake of Gennesaret, if I can pronounce that right, Gennesaret. And he saw two boats lying at the edge of the lake, but the fishermen had gotten out of them and were washing their nets. Jesus got into one of the boats, which was Simon's, asking him to put out a little way from the land, and he sat down and began teaching the people from the boat. So Jesus was using the boat like a stage, you know. He's sitting on the boat, people were on the shore, Jesus is teaching them. And then, after he finished teaching, verse 4, when he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, which, who becomes Peter, put out into the deep water and let down your nets for a catch. Simon answered and said, Master, we worked all night and caught nothing, but we'll do as you say and let down the nets. And when they'd done this, they enclosed a great quantity of fish, and their nets began to break, and their boats almost began to sink. They caught so many fish. See, God will speak the language that you understand. God will do something in your life that you relate to. Peter was a fisherman. He understood fishing. Now, Peter wasn't doing too good at fishing. He fished all night long and not caught anything. Amen? I've actually kind of done that before. Amen? Amen. I fished Lake Gunnersfield once with Forrest Van Zandt. He's pulling in one after another. I'm just casting, casting, and he's not getting nothing. He's getting them all. I mean, I kind of related to Peter. I said, I should have thrown out a net. Anyway, but Jesus wanted Peter's attention. Peter wasn't doing what he was called to do. Peter was called as an apostle. Peter was called to write part of the Bible. Peter was called to do great things for God. Peter was called as the chief apostle. This is what he was called to do. But what was he doing? He was a fisherman. So God... First off, didn't allow him to catch anything. Then he allowed him to catch more than he could ever dream. When Jesus spoke to him and he obeyed Jesus and did what Jesus said, Jesus gave him the abundant life and he showed him. Peter wakes up and goes, oh, you got my attention. What do you want me to do? And Jesus said, come, Peter, and follow me, and I'll make you a fisher of men. But first he had to get Peter's attention. And so God loves us so much and he'll do things that, that relate to you. Amen. You know, Peter was a fisherman, so he, he, he used fish to talk to him. It's amazing how he does that. Then I, you see this throughout Scripture. Then we, let's talk about Paul real quick, the Apostle Paul. So you know his story. He was called Saul, and he was a persecutor of the church. He was a very religious man, very strict religious man. He, he wasn't a bad man. He was just a little deceived or very deceived. He thought the best thing he could do to serve God was to put Christians in jail. And so he would have Christians stoned. He would put them in jail. He'd separate families. He would do all this because he thought Christians were heretics and traitors. And he was serving the Lord by, by getting rid of them. So it says in Acts 9, verse 1, Saul, still breathing threats and murders against the disciples of the Lord, went to the high priest and asked him for letters from them to the synagogues at Damascus. So if he found any belonging to the way, Christians were called the way back then, both men and women, he might bring them bound to Jerusalem. Here's the verse, verse 3, Acts 9. As he was traveling, it happened that as he approached Damascus, suddenly a light from heaven flashed around him, and he fell to the ground, and he heard a voice saying, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And he said, Who are you, Lord? I am Jesus whom you are persecuting. And get up and enter the city. You'll be told what you must do. You see, he had to get his attention. 
God will go to extremes to get your attention. So Peter, he gets his attention with fish. Moses, he gets his attention with a burning bush. But Saul, he just takes this gigantic light from heaven. A huge light comes down. Then he starts talking to him. And Saul becomes blind. And Jesus speaks to him. But Saul responds. He responds. He got his attention. He used a big light. And he used blindness to get his attention. See, Saul was not doing what he was created to do. He was not going the direction he was supposed to be going. So God got his attention. I want to tell you something today, church. God wants your attention because if you're not doing what you're called to do, if you're not moving the direction you're supposed to be moving, God will do something to get your attention. And most likely, what I want to tell you today, he's probably already done it, and you may have dismissed it. We do it. I mean, I remember, if I can look back at my life, God got my attention with a, with a voice in my truck, and he got my attention by letting my business fail. But if I look back, I say, you know what, there were other times you tried to get my attention. I just didn't pay attention. Amen? So what was Paul called to do? He was called to plant churches all over the known world, and he wrote 13 books of the New Testament. 13 books. And these books in the New Testament, we're still studying today. He wrote, wrote two-thirds of the New Testament, the Word of God. He was called to greatness, but God had to get his attention. I want to tell you something. You're called to greatness too, and God wants to get your attention. He wants you to respond to him so he can show you what he has for you. Will you respond to him? Will you respond? If you look back in your life, let's get real. There's times in your life you know that God was trying to show you something. Maybe it's something that was bad. Maybe it was something that was good. Maybe it was a circumstance. Maybe it was something weird. Maybe it was something unusual. But you know it was God trying to teach you something or God trying to redirect you. And sometimes we just go right over it. But God's relentless. He'll never let you down. He'll never quit trying to get your attention. And I like to also talk about the woman at the well. Woman at the well. You know the story. John 4, starting at verse 13. Jesus comes up to a well, a Samaritan woman. The Jews and Samaritans don't get along. A lot of racism there. Jesus wasn't. And Jesus answered and said to her, the woman at the well, everyone who drinks of this water will, will thirst again. But whoever drinks of the water I give them will never thirst. But the water that I give him will become a well of water, springing up to eternal life. The woman said to him, sir, give me this water, so I'll not be thirsty, nor come all the way here to draw. Now, Jesus is going to set her up because Jesus wanted to get this woman's attention. Now, here she is, just this woman, you know, at the well. Jesus wanted her attention. So he sets her up. Listen to the setup. He said to her, go and call your husband. Now, Jesus knew who she was. He knew her past. And he sets her up. He asked her a trick question. Go call your husband. And the woman said, I have no husband. And Jesus said to her, You've correctly said you have no husband, for you've had five husbands. <laughs> and the one you whom you now have is not your husband. So she had been married five times, and now she was living with someone. She was shacking. But Jesus got her attention. Jesus got her attention. Matter of fact, she says after that, I don't think it's in the scriptures up here, that she says, sir, I perceive you're a prophet. I would have said to her, duh. <laughs> <laughs> Really? That's pretty sharp. <laughs> Sir, I perceive you're a prophet. But he got her attention. 
He got her attention. He used a prophetic word. He used a prophetic word to get her attention. And God will use that. That's another way God gets our attention. There's so many ways that God gets her attention, and it's always customized. God loved this woman so much that he knew that if he prophesied to her or gave her a word of knowledge about her past, it would get her attention. So then the woman says to him, verse 25, I know that the Messiah is coming, he who is called the Christ. And when that one comes, he will declare all things to us. Now, this scripture, John 4, 26, is the greatest single revelation in the history of the world. Here's this woman who's been, what, married five times and living with a guy. And now the Messiah is standing next to her. Jesus is standing next to her. And Jesus says to this woman who has no qualifications for anything, I who speak to you, am he. Jesus tells this woman he's the Messiah. He hadn't told anybody that before, okay? But he tells this woman at this point, he, he does reveal himself, okay? But at this point, he reveals to this woman, hey, the one you, you, you think is coming, the one that Isaiah prophesied about, I am the Messiah. Can you imagine you imagine you're standing next to somebody and, and they reveal to you that they are the Messiah, the Son of God. What a revelation. What, what a word. What a word of knowledge. What a spectacular, amazing thing to say. What does she do? She runs to town and evangelizes. She immediately starts telling everybody who the Messiah is. She's met the Messiah. He's Jesus of Nazareth. We all need to repent. We all need to come to him. The Messiah has come. So he takes this woman who's been married five times, shacking with someone, reveals the greatest revelation the world has ever heard because he had a purpose for her. She was to be an evangelist. She starts evangelizing. You see, God wanted her attention because he had a purpose for her that was a lot more than what she, you know, her life was not good. She was not living the life she was called to live. But everything changed when God got her attention. So how many times has God tried to get your attention? See, God wants to get your attention for a reason, for a purpose. How many times, look back in your life, you can say, you know what, I think he was trying to tell me something back then. I think he was trying to get my attention. He may try to get your attention through a crisis. He may try to get your attention through a blessing. He may try to get you, and it's, it's different for all of us. And what you see in the Bible is there's a lot of different ways that God goes to get your attention. So, I mean, it's just, I mean, and he does it. Like, he knew Peter would understand the thing about fishing. He knew he would get that. He knew the woman at the well would, would, would kind of get it when he, he affirmed her, and he affirmed her, and he didn't condemn her. He got her attention and prophesied to her. You know what I'm saying? He knew that, he knew that, that Saul needed a a bump on the head. He needed, Saul needed something big. You know, the apostle Saul was so adamant. He was so religious. He needed something big for him. So he sends this giant light down from heaven, blinds him and speaks to him. So why are you persecuting me? Boy, I hope you don't have to do that for us. Okay. Well, what's really interesting when God saw that these people, when he knew he had gotten their attention, he called them to greatness. When he knew he had Moses attention, he called him to greatness. When he knew he had Peter's attention, he called him to greatness. When he knew he had Saul's attention, he called him to greatness. When he knew he had the woman's attention, he called her to greatness. You've been called to great things. Here's the deal. Here's the one thing that I see with everybody in the Bible. Every one of them, when Jesus was getting their attention, they responded to him. 
They responded. They got their attention. You know what? I mean, there's so many times I've tried to get my kids' attention. I can tell they're not giving me their attention. Remember that? You'd be talking to your kids. Listen to me. Boy, listen, boy I said, listen to me. Son, listen up. Give me, your, give me your attention. And you know when they're giving their attention or not. Amen. God, today, this is my message for you today. God wants to get your attention. He's been trying to get your attention. And he just wants you to respond and say, Lord, you've got my attention now. Lord, you've got my attention. I'm responding to you. I am responding to you. The greatest attention getter of all time, Isaiah 53, 5. Now, you might say, well, I don't know if God's been trying to get my attention. Well, give attention to this. Isaiah 53, 5. When he was wounded for our transgressions, he was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him, and with his stripes are healed. Our Savior went to the cross and took our sin and our disease and our curses and our shame and our condemnation, and he took it all upon his body, and then he died, and then he died, and then on the third day he rose from the dead, and he says if we believe, we died with him, and if we believe, we raised, we're raised with him. That should get your attention. If that don't get your attention, I don't know what will get your attention. And all you have to do is respond. All you have to say, God, you got my attention. I want to respond. God, you have my attention. I want to respond. So I just want to pray with you. It's a simple message. This was not complicated at all. I will bet you every single person in your life that God has done things in your life to get your attention. God has let things happen in your life to get your attention. God has allowed things to get your attention. God has done some crazy stuff to get your attention. And maybe we need to repent and say, God, I know you're trying to tell me something, and I just missed it. But today, I repent. I say, Lord, you got my attention. I'm going to respond to you. Amen. So I'm going to pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you that you'll go to extremes to get our attention. Our Father, I know you've been knocking on our door, some of us, for years to get our attention. So, Father, I pray right now for everyone in this church today that we will respond to you. Whatever you're trying to tell us, wherever you're trying to call us, whatever you have for us, Father, today in the name of Jesus Christ, we choose to respond. We respond to your word. We respond to your truth. Lord, today we say you have our attention, God. God, you got my attention. Tell me what you want to tell me. I surrender to you. I'll do what you want me to do. I'll go where you want me to go. I surrender my will to you, Lord. Lord, you have my attention today. You have my attention. We love you, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. And amen. Amen. Give him praise. Amen. The number one attention getter, if you have never asked Jesus to be your Savior, I say, you know what? I need to get right with God. I need a Savior to save me from my sins. I need eternal life that the Bible promises. I want to be adopted as a child of God. I want to get rid of all this guilt and all this shame and all this stuff on me. I want to get rid of it all. I want to start all over. I need Jesus as my Savior, and he will do that for you if you will just come and confess him as your Savior. Say, Jesus, I've sinned. Jesus, I've sinned. Lord, forgive me of my sins. Come into my heart. I know you're, Lord, I know you died for me. I know you rose on the dead for me. Lord, I receive you today.
if that is the way, I hope, if you have never responded like that to Jesus, please come down. Let us pray for you. Please come now and let us pray for you. There will be people at the altar. Amen. Pastor Keith. So let's just do this. Let's just bow our heads for a moment. And if that's you that Dr. Ray just talked about and you've never made that decision to follow Christ, and today you know is your day, you've recognized God's got your attention, and today you want to surrender your life to him, I want you just to raise your hand right now where you're at. Just slip your hand all over this building. Today I want to accept Christ as my Lord and Savior. I've never been saved. I've never been born again. You can just raise your hand right now. Don't be ashamed. Don't be embarrassed. This is your opportunity to say yes to Jesus. If you're watching online, this is for you this morning. Maybe you've never responded, but today God's got your attention, and you're responding to the gospel. If that's you online, you can just hit that little hand emoji. You can type in that chat box. I'm raising my hand right now. I want to accept Christ. I want us to pray this prayer together today. Let's say it out loud, every head bowed, every eye closed. Let's just say it together. Dear Heavenly Father, I believe Jesus died on the cross for my sins. I ask you to forgive me of my sins. Come into my heart and my life. Be my Lord and my Savior. I receive you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Come on, let's give the Lord a hand clap of praise today. If that was you, welcome to the family this morning. Why don't we give Dr. Ray and Miss Christie one more round of applause this morning. Amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. Just to let you guys know, we're going to have to slip them out the side door, Kelly and I, and get them to Holly Pond. They're on their way to Holly Pond to preach. So he's not going to be available after service to talk. Uh, but you can reach out to him via social media. And I know he'd love to follow up with you. You can get his books online. And uh, we'd love to help you in any way we can to do that. God bless you. Congratulations on being a part of what God is doing in the earth. Amen. And let's live our lives with that response. Amen. God bless you. Have a great day in the Lord.